You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. In this episode of Talking Taiwan, we share the second half of my interview with illustrator and cartoonist Guy Gilchrist, picking up after part one in episode 207. In the second half of my interview with Guy, he talked about how Dr. Seuss has been an influence in his life. Guy also talked about how he had to deal with chronic pain and back surgery. These days, Guy can be seen on social media and at comic cons around the country doing what he loves most by drawing cartoon characters live for his fans. Guy is best known as the cartoonist of Jim Henson and the Muppets. He's also had his hand in notable cartoons such as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Looney Tunes, Tom and Jerry, Tiny Toons, Pink Panther, and Disney, among others. He was declared a national treasure by former First Lady Nancy Reagan, and his artwork has been enshrined in the Smithsonian. Since one thing we can't do on this podcast is to show the magic of Guy's cartooning, we've decided to host a live online event where you can meet Guy this Saturday, November 5th at 6.30pm Eastern Standard Time. Just register for the event on our website at TalkingTaiwan.com forward slash news. At the event, you'll have a chance to see him drawing live. Guy will also show you how to draw cartoon characters yourself. The best part of all this is that Guy has generously offered to donate all of the drawings he does that night, and you can enter to win them by simply making a donation of $25 or more to Talking Taiwan's GoFundMe page. If you'd like to attend the event, just register at TalkingTaiwan.com forward slash news. This episode of Talking Taiwan has been sponsored by Natoa. The North America Taiwanese Women's Association, NATOA, was founded in 1988, and its mission is 1. To evoke a sense of self-esteem and enhance women's dignity. 2. To oppose gender discrimination and promote gender equality. 3. To fully develop women's potential and encourage their participation in public affairs. 4. To contribute to the advancement of human rights and democratic development in Taiwan. 5. To reach out and work with women's organizations worldwide to promote peace for all. To learn more about NATOA, visit their website www.natwa.com. Without further ado, here's our interview. I actually started following you on social media um, after I learned about you. And I also understand that, was there some story about Dr. Seuss and how Dr. Seuss also was instrumental and gave you some encouragement as you were developing your career? Huge. Well, I wrote to him later as an adult. Um, Okay. I think the story that, uh, I've told this story many times, um, especially to school children. Uh, when I was in third grade, uh, so I was about eight, um, and you know, and and trying to figure my world out, um, we took a field trip 
to a college. It was St. Joseph's mm-hmm. College in Hartford, Connecticut. And, mm-hmm. and to me, getting going on a field trip in third grade just meant like I was going to steal kids' lunches. I was going to sit <laughs> in the back of the auditorium. I was going to take a nap. You know, um, yeah. we, uh, no school. This is great. Because mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. time, I was not doing very well in school. I was... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to be a clown. I'd like to, you know, draw funny pictures of the teachers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I was constantly, constantly, constantly getting sent down to the principal's <laughs> office. I mean, I was in the principal's okay. office so many times that the cushion on the seat in the office was the shape of my butt. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and he was saying, like, call me Steve, you know, the principal. You know? Oh, wow. Um, so anyway... Uh, we go to this, so, and we're going to this thing and it's, I was scared to death to go because, you know, I felt I was kind of, kind of dumb because I got, I didn't get great grades yet in Mm -hmm. school because Mm -hmm. I was horsing around a lot and, uh, you know, drawing pictures when I should have been doing other things. And so we, and it, it was at a college and to me, you know, at college on TV and everything, everyone's real smart. And I'm feeling like, oh, I'm going to be, you know, the stupidest one there. And the other thing was, it was for some stupid thing called a festival of children's literature. And (laughs) what the heck? Yeah. The only books that I had were comic books. I also had two Dr. Seuss books, Yertle the Turtle, Mm -hmm. And Horton Hears a Who. Mm-hmm. And then I had golden books, you know, like of the Disney yeah. books and, mm-hmm. and, and Woody Woodpecker and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, so I sit in the back of this auditorium and the lights go down. I'm ready to take a nap or shoot spitballs or something. <laughs> the minute that the lights go on on stage and they start talking, I like start flipping out and I start praying to I used to call him the man in the sky you know God mm-hmm. that he would use his superpowers of magic to put me right in the front of the stage because it was the most amazing thing I ever saw in my life it mm-hmm. was they. it was a festival of children's literature these were the greatest writers and artists in children's books and of course i didn't know who any of them were Mm. uh but they all came out and told stories or poems or you know or read from their books whatever they did and it was the most every single one was more amazing than the next and the last and i started to think oh my gosh i do that i tell stories Mm -hmm. i can I can write, I can write stuff down, you know, I could do this and Mm -hmm. it starts to dawn on me. You could, you can do this. You, you, (laughs) you're already, you know, you, you're already writing the stories of the Uh the that you're doing. Why don't you do this? You could do this for a living. Look at, Mm. look, they all wear really nice shoes. They got nice, (laughs) they probably make a lot of money. You know, you can make a lot of money doing this. Then out come the artists, and there were people that painted realistically and cartoonists, mm-hmm. and some wow. people drew, and some yeah. people wrote slides, and it was just the coolest thing I ever saw in my life. And I decided at that moment that 
school probably wasn't a bad idea. And that if I was going to be rich, I better go to like take math class instead of getting sent down to the principal during math class. I should probably hang out there and actually learn how to count the money that I was going to make. Being <laughs> you know, and I, I start making this plan wow. to get even yeah. with the entire world by uh -huh. actually attending class, right? I get this. <laughs> like, and, but I didn't know who any of these people were, but they were the greatest in the world. And then at the very end of the show, out came Dr. Seuss. Wow. Ted Geisel. Mm -hmm. And he came out and he drew a picture of his cat, the cat in the hat. Mm -hmm. And I was so far away. He was so small. And the picture was so small. But the words were huge. And he said, has anyone ever told you that if you have a dream and you dream that dream enough, no matter what that dream is, that that dream will come true? And we were all in the dark are nodding to Dr. Seuss. And Dr. Seuss goes, I asked you. And he says it really loud. And we're all freaking out. Dr. Seuss is scaring us. He says, has <laughs> anyone ever told you, boys and girls, that if you have a dream and you dream that dream enough, that that dream will come true no matter what? And we're all, yes, 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 yes. And he says, well, baloney. And I'm like, oh, my oh. God. My hero just stuck a, a, a pin in the balloon of my dreams. I had finally decided I was going to do this for a living. And now he's saying that's all baloney. He said, you know, you could dream you were a duck. Night after night after night. And you're not <laughs> going to be a duck. He mm -hmm. said, and it's also impossible for you to ever get anything if you don't get up and go do something about it. Mm -hmm. He said, but if you do get up and go do something about your dream and don't just dream it, but you go and try, he said, you can get anything you want. I promise you. Mm -hmm. And that did it. Like that did it. It was like, I'm already doing it. I'm already doing this. And it meant the world to me. And I actually later on in life. Uh, I wrote to Dr. Seuss to Ted. Mm -hmm. um, I had gotten the job with Jim Henson by then. And I wrote to him and I told him this story. And at the time, I was having a very difficult time because I really still wanted to write children's books. And I was having a difficulty getting anyone to, you know, take me seriously and mm -hmm. look at my stuff. And so I right. sent I sent my my uh, manuscripts and my dummy books. Um, that's what you call it. It's a dummy book. It's like, you know, it's a comp, like a you know a uh -huh. comp, um, you know, rough. Uh, I sent it out to him, and okay. he loved it, and he loved it, and he encouraged me. But anyway, that that moment when I went home from third grade, um, everything was really everything was coming together, and um, you know, and of course the very next year. I saw, uh, you know, Walter Lance on TV and said, well, then that's it. You know, I'll go to work for him because your original question was, did you ask him for a job? You know, I think I did. <laughs> you know, 
I, yeah. I, I, I want, it was honestly, Felicia, it's all I, it's all I wanted. You know, yeah. it was a crazy thing. It's like, you know, everybody, if you really, truly, 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 truly want something, and that's all you ever think about, kind of, you, I promise you, you get it. You know, anybody that didn't get what they wanted, at some point they stopped. They quit. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, because because you had to because the world won't quit on you, you know. Right. Well, I think it's a combination of um, wanting and then also trying and getting it back up again. Like you said, as a um, 10 year old up until you're 16, you're going to New York and knocking on all of these doors and trying all these things. And then finally you got the job drawing the coloring book for Disney. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. how many tries did that take? Right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, and 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 I'm not saying now I'm not saying that that every dream can come true if, you know, if you just I'm not being Tinkerbell and saying believe, believe, believe. OK, I'm saying that and I understand that sometimes life gets in the way, you know, you wanted to be, you know, a concert pianist or something and that didn't that may not have happened. But, you know. You, you know, but you're probably still amazing at piano and you're probably still making, you know, people very, very happy at it. You know, if you if you have something, though, that you truly, truly love and you keep going for it, you know, eventually some way, shape or form that love that you have and that gift, it will be shown to the world and you will and the world will prosper and you will prosper from it. Um, uh, it, I, it always happens. It always happens. Whenever I talk to anyone that says, you know, well, when I was a kid, I, you know, and then I kind of, and then, you know, and then, you know, and then, you know. And, but when I'm hanging around anyone that, especially like in the theater or in the arts, you know, in any way, because it's so hard to do it. for yes. them. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly yeah. difficult to do mm-hmm. it. for. Them. And you, you know, sometimes you have to pretend, you know, to not, you, you have to pretend you don't have a stomach and you're not hungry for two weeks, you know, <laughs> things like that. You know, it's, it, it's very, very, very difficult uh, life. But when you, but when when we're sitting around at these comic cons and stuff like that and hanging out, no matter what form you know of of art the arts were in, we all have very similar stories. Whether the, you know whether we came from a poor upbringing, a, a wealthy upbringing, a middle class upbringing, we were city folks, country folks, you know whatever and whatever country we're from, there are always these times and sometimes many times when it looks impossible. And then something happens because mm-hmm. you kept on believing, you know, and that's what it was with me. You know, it, it just it was it was I I never, ever thought for one moment I wasn't going to do this. So, Dr. Seuss, he encouraged you when you were trying to get your book published. So you did eventually publish your own children's book? Yeah, the first books that we put out were, um, they were four books of a character called Mud Pie, a little gray mm-hmm. cat. And, um, and they were, you know, put out with 
they were put out with a company called Modern Publishing, and they weren't like the biggest publishers in the world or anything, but they were the ones that took my book. And uh, so the very first ones came out, and they sold very, very well. And, um, you know, because I was always getting, like, I would go to publisher after publisher after publisher, and they would say things like, you draw too cartoony. Your stuff looks like Saturday morning cartoons. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're not this, you're not that. You know, mm-hmm. go to work for this one. Go to work for, you know, mm-hmm. why don't you go do Disney stuff? Why don't you go do mm-hmm. this, why don't you do that? Where I kept thinking, I don't know, I have a story I want to tell, and I'm going to tell it at some point. And, uh, and by the time I wrote to, to Ted, um, I'm sure I'd been at least turned down by at least two dozen, you know, of publishers in New York and it wasn't getting any easier. And, uh, and I was, you know, really pounded in the pavement and I had a good presentation and everything. And then Ted said, um, that, uh, you know, that when he was doing his first book to think that I saw it on Mulberry street, mm-hmm. um, that there's there's a very famous story that he got so upset at that every single publisher it seemed like in New York City had turned him down that he took the his dummy book and he threw it in the garbage and Aww. his roommate his college roommate pulled it out of the garbage took it to the university press at the oh, college wow. they were the ones that originally published it or it would have never happened. That was a very famous story. So when Ted told me to keep on trucking and don't give up, um, he was saying, you know, because I kind of did. <laughs> but of course, you know, destiny intervenes, right? Yeah, that was very, that was very, very cool. Um, I, you know, I had this, I, I had always had this, this idea that I wanted to kind of be a combination of, you know, Walter and and Ted you know I wanted to do cartoons and I also you know really liked comic strips and I liked uh, books and uh, just any way that I could tell a story and uh, you know and that actually kind of wound up being what I do we've got a special announcement for you on November 5th at 6 30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're going to be hosting a special live online event for you to meet master cartoonist Guy Gilchrist, who is best known for drawing the Muppets comic strip. Register for the event at TalkingTaiwan.com forward slash news. Guy is going to be doing what he does best, drawing your favorite classic cartoon characters, Looney Tunes, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Disney, or even Sesame Street. He'll demonstrate how you can draw a cartoon character yourself. The best part is that Guy has generously offered to donate all of his drawings from that night. If you want a chance to win, just make a donation of $25 or more on Talking Taiwan's GoFundMe page. Can you tell me a little bit about this Mud Pie character? Sure. Well, uh, so, uh, and Mud Pie wound up being in about nine books. Um... Uh, so Mud Pie was actually written uh, for my mom, and the original book that I wrote was called My Mom's Okay, and it was me sort of reminiscing, and he was a little gray cat, and and um, 
uh, and everything he did was wrong and he messed up everything hence the name mud pie you know messy uh, and mm-hmm. so like you know if he tried to help his mom do the laundry you know he would put an entire box of laundry soap in detergent <laughs> of course you know and flood the entire street or <laughs> if he tried to wash the car he'd forget you know the the uh, there'd be a, a an indoor swimming pool inside the car right you know <laughs> anything that he did right. even if Tried to get her if he, if he went and picked her wildflowers, then there'd be bees that would chase him home, and all the flowers <laughs> oh. would go flying. And oh. mom be putting a bandaid on him, and oh. he only one flower with one petal left. Things like that. But mm. he so the book was called My Mom's Okay because it was like you know I tried to help my mom with the laundry. She said, don't help me anymore. But, she, you know, she said, <laughs> she just don't, you know, don't help me anymore. And then she, you know, gave me a snack. My mom's OK. It would always be my mom's OK after he messed up. Then the second book was my dad's OK. And it was a very similar thing. And then there was another book called I'm Having an Excellent Day, which was every single thing that could ever go wrong in your day goes wrong but there's a silver <laughs> line you know for instance for okay. instance you're out of cereal so mom made you pancakes oh you know yeah. or um or you know you wanted to go camping out in the yard but it was raining and so you know so then you wound up having the greatest you know tent inside the house and sleep over and telling ghost stories you know uh, whatever it happened to be that he wanted to happen it didn't okay. happen opposite okay. did. turned out that he had a really swell time and that was sort of the idea of all of the mud pie books it was kind of going back to my childhood we didn't have anything and you mm-hmm. you know so you'd make a cardboard box into a car or a rocket ship i think that that's why the books did pretty well Anybody that got them kind of got the, you know, could could identify because it was really sort of all about being positive and um, and that. And and uh, so anyway, that was that character. And uh, the first four books came out with uh, with modern publishing. And then uh, a little while later, I signed a deal with uh, Macmillan Press, which was a much bigger. Wonderful. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, they put out another four books of Mud Pie. So that was really neat. I also wanted to talk to you because I was also very touched because I saw on your social media um, not too long ago that you wrote in May that it was a three year anniversary that you had of um, having back surgery and that you had been um, basically paralyzed for quite a few years and had to have back surgery and recovered. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about this because I'm sure there are people out there who have had some kind of chronic illness or um, health challenge and it might be useful for them to hear what you dealt with and how you pulled through this. Let me start by saying that anything that, if I ever sound smart at all (laughs) about anything, it's because I'm 65 years old. And what happens when you get a little bit older is that you become wise. Um, Mm -hmm. But here's what they don't tell you. See, it's idiot's wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> if I ever wrote a book about how to do anything, it would probably be called Idiot's Wisdom. Um, because, you know, by the time you get to be my age, you've done everything wrong. And so <laughs> you know the, the right thing to do. Anyway, um, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of doctors. And um, uh, and I and I basically, you know, I coined a phrase, you know, John Wayne threw it, you know, just John. And it's, oh, it's, I see. it's just what it sounds like, you know, mm -hmm. just just, you know, be a man, doggone mm -hmm. it and get through it. And mm -hmm. um, anyway, well, you know, when you've drawn about 200,000 drawings and I have. Um, you know, you're going to have a lot of arm issues and things like that and shoulder issues and elbow issues and back issues and all these different things. And, you know, they have cortisone shots and different things oh, that they give you, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, so figure that you have these for, I don't know, 30 years, 40 years. You know? You're getting cortisone shots for 30 years? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Sure. Yep. And um, so it becomes sort of a way of life, you know, and um, and I got to the point really where I didn't know what the problem was with my back and mm -hmm. you know why it was hurting and why yeah. it would stop hurting. Yeah. I, had, uh, I had had actual I had um, lumbar surgery fusion when I was like 29 years old about six years ago or so. I, so I was getting the cortisone shots in my in my arm and uh, in my shoulder and elbow and stuff like that, and they started to give them to me in my back as well um, because my back just was always I was always in pain, and I was constantly working. You know, I did the Nancy comic strip over 22 years. That's a daily thing. Also, you know, doing animation, doing books, doing this, doing that. And uh, so I was working an awful lot and I couldn't figure out why, no matter what I did with my back, that it wouldn't, you know, get better. But I didn't have any have any x-rays, MRIs or anything like that. The doctor would, you know, say, well, it's probably this, and it's probably that. And, you know, and they'd give me, you know, some cortisone. And anyway, and I would keep on going because they'd say, we'd like to do some tests. I'd say, no, 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 no. Well, Whoa. then, then yeah, it was all me. Then finally, one day. Um, I'm starting to realize that I can't walk. Oh, dear. And um, uh, and it's not like, you know, when you say that you've become paralyzed, a lot of people think, you know, they, they see somebody in a wheelchair, they can't feel their legs, that kind of thing. It was, I couldn't really feel where my feet were, and I was in pain 24-7. I finally said, well, I, you know, I have to go, and, I, and they, they did some tests, and they realized that, what was happening was my spinal cord was being closed down, that I had um, uh, bone spurs on either side of one of my vertebrae. Oh. Oh. And, had, and it had basically, like, if you can think of, um, if you think of like a, uh, like a, uh, uh, almost like, like, okay, if you, if you think of strings of a guitar or a violin or something like mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. okay, as, and then if they're really loosened up, you know, you could squeeze them together, mm -hmm. uh, like in the middle. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what my back looked like. Oh, boy. So it was, they had, you know, basically completely shut down um, uh, my, uh, my, my, uh, my spine. All my nerves were, you know, were being closed off.
they did an operation and they, you know, lopped those uh, spurs off and uh, reopened my uh, spinal cord. And uh, that moment was like a brand new day for me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The thing about chronic pain is that um, it's it sneaks up on us and uh, sometimes, in my case, it did, uh, where it starts off as something and you compensate and you compensate and you compensate and you compensate. Mm-hmm. That was the case for me, um, was that I kept on thinking this is, you know, you know, this is the new normal. This is the new mm-hmm. normal. Right. And, um, uh, but thankfully, uh, I had, you know, uh, thankfully I had, you know, uh, a couple of really very understanding doctors who said, we don't care what you're saying anymore. We're going to do this. And I also had a couple of very dear friends that were going, stop being an idiot. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyway, and I had the, I had the surgery and the moment it happened, it was like, uh, Christmas for me. It was, it was like, it was a brand new day. Um, mm-hmm. My uh, recoup time was uh, was quite a while, and I had to be careful, uh, you know, because uh, because it had been almost a year of me having no exercise and no anything and not being able to mm-hmm. lift. I had no no more musculature, you know, in my you know my legs, anything, everything had atrophied. Also, I heard a real smart person on the radio say. Instead of like trying to remake yourself and make some big resolution, how about if you just come up with something that you can actually do every single day? And so I said, okay, that sounds like a really smart thing. And so I, you know, came up with some physical things that I could do each day to eventually get better. And it was really about three or four months down the road that I was you know, walking 5K, I, I've really been in fantastic shape uh, uh, ever since. But it's one of those cases really and truly where it was all taken away from me. If you are in chronic pain, you know, think about, are you doing everything that you can about it? Mm-hmm. Oh, are, you know, have you seen, now, you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, you know, you have to live with chronic pain. And there are pain. I do have pain that I do live with. But it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a three compared to what it used to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I will say is that the minute that I stopped thinking that I knew everything and also the minute that I stopped focusing on what I couldn't do and started to think positively and throw the energy out there, the love energy, the, the energy of, well, what, what can I do? What can I do? Right. What can I do? Right. When I started to do that and take the negative stuff away mm-hmm. and just concentrate on the fact that I was alive, that, mm-hmm. my, that I could actually feel, you know, the pain in my feet now instead of, mm-hmm. you know, the minute that I started to think of all of the progress 
I started to find more and more progress and more and more progress. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll never be where I used to be, but I'll also never be where I used to be. <laughs> it blows my mind. And these days, I, uh, I'm very, very careful about being sure that I'm physically active every single day mm-hmm. in, in one way mm-hmm. or another. Mm-hmm. And also that I don't, um, that I don't take uh, pain lightly, you know, that I pay attention. Yeah, it's a message, to. right? It sure does. It sure does. Yeah, you know, I, I really, it's, it's, you know, pain really is your friend. And, you know, you know, if you mm-hmm. take too much medicine and stuff and you're masking it, you don't realize, you know, yeah. the harm that you're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't I don't take that kind of medicine anymore. It's just incredible to hear your story because I read your post and how you said that you really put everything on hold. You had to cancel on people. You just couldn't function. You couldn't do things. So it's good to hear how you were able to see through that. And I think that's something that everyone can think about is just what can you do? Something that's doable every day, right? To get better. Felicia, uh, your takeaway on it, the way that you just put it, made me really think of something. And that is that one of the takeaways that I had, which you just, you just alluded to, is you have to love yourself. And you mm-hmm. have to take care of yourself. The whole, mm-hmm. I know that it's, it's it, over and over and over again, we're talking about self-care these days to the point where you're going, oh my gosh, really again? But <laughs> here's the thing. Um, I really, you know, you can, I love making people happy. And that's like my joy, and that's what I get to do for a living. And so I am very much a people pleaser. And I never miss deadlines. I, you know, I will do anything. I will, you know, and I did. I did everything that you could ever imagine to be sure that the books were on time, that the comics are on time, that the TV shows get done on time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down the road, you know, my whole life. And I also wouldn't accept help. And, you know, I was sort of like, you know, no, I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. You know, if if anybody messed up, I'll, I picked up, I picked up, I picked up. Well, wow. that's a wonderful thing. Okay, that's a great thing to, to have that kind of discipline. But also, at some point, you also have to remember that, you know, you can build a team. And it and it, it strengthens everyone. Mm-hmm. And also, if you don't take care of yourself, you will not be around for those people that you love so much. In mm-hmm. the Bible, it tells us, okay, it says, it says, love thy neighbor as yourself. Well, flip that around. Love yourself as you do your neighbor. And if you will just even be 75%, as kind to yourself as you are to everyone around you in your life, you'll be amazed at how much better your life is going to get and how much more you'll get out of your life. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Guy. It just makes me think of like what they say when you're in the airplane, put your oxygen mask on first and then help somebody else. It was that thing that it was the thing that my friend said, Guy, 
if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be here for them or me. And when I realized that, like me being so one-sided about the way that I was living my life was actually harming other people Mm -hmm. and myself. That was Mm -hmm. the thing that clicked off to me. I don't know about you, Felicia, but that, like that, you know, when I, when I, when I heard that and that finally came through, you know, the, the, the great wall, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) then I was like, oh, gee, you know, I'd better take care of this then. Also, we didn't even touch on your music. I know that you're, um, you also do music, like you're a songwriter and you're planning to work on an album later this year, right? Yeah, uh, I've been uh, uh, been writing songs and recording uh, here in Nashville uh, every chance that I get. And uh, we're trying to get this album out by the end of the year. And mm-hmm. if not, then it'll just be a few songs and then the album will come out uh, sooner or later. But um, but yeah, I appreciate you, you know, mentioning it. And you can definitely, if you look me up, God, you'll find me on Spotify and all those other things, all those places. Oh, okay, listen great. To. I'm on all that stuff. And and oh my god, even have CDs that you could actually buy, you gotta <laughs> find and stuff. I know, Wonderful. I know, you know. Like no one has anything to play them on anymore, but you could just oh yeah, them on <laughs> you know, use it as a frisbee for your dog. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much, um, Kai. I want to thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it because I know that you're very busy and. Uh, this is like a really great addition to the interview and um, we'll certainly keep in touch about the event we have planned in November. Thank you. You have a wonderful day. You too. God bless Bye-bye. you. Bye. Yes, you too. Bye-bye. I've been speaking with illustrator and cartoonist Guy Gilchrist, best known as the cartoonist of Jim Henson's Muppets comic strip. This episode of Talking Taiwan has been sponsored by NATOA, the North America Taiwanese Women's Association. NATOA was founded in 1988 to evoke a sense of self-esteem and enhance women's dignity, to oppose gender discrimination and promote gender equality, to fully develop women's potential and encourage their participation in public affairs, to contribute to the advancement of human rights and democratic development in Taiwan, to reach out and work with women's organizations worldwide to promote peace for all, to learn more about NATWA, visit their website, www.natwa.com. Now it's time for you to show us some love. We just found out that you can rate us on Spotify. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Audible, leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There will list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.